0: consumer goods, business owners, and marketing professionals. Does planning content ahead of time stress you out? Do you want to run Instagram and Facebook ads, but just aren't sure where to start? If your answer is yes and yes, then our mini course was made for you. It's 100% free and packed with essential tactics that you can implement as soon as today. To join in, visit our website at umimarketing.com slash mini course. All right, let's get on with the pod.
1: Welcome to the Umai Social Circle, where we talk consumer goods tips to help business owners and marketers grow. We're Allison and Karen, co-founders of Umai Marketing, and we are being joined here today with Katie Melezeva. Did I say that right? You got it. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, Of Real Food Brands. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me we're excited too so first of all how how how's your week been good you know
2: the weather has been pretty good here in Wisconsin in the summer we really rely on these summer months for some nice warm weather so uh yeah it's been it's been good thanks
1: oh my gosh we are opposite (laughs) of (laughs) this we we cannot go outside right now unless you're going Uh, straight to water um we've actually been having rolling, uh, blackouts to preserve energy. So, um, yeah, a little jealous of the Wisconsin summer right now. We'll talk in winter and then, (laughs) yeah, right. Maybe we could like, you know, split our time between Wisconsin and Texas and that would be perfect. (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. Well, First of all, we'd love to just get your background, hear from you, how you got yeah. started and um, how where you are now. Yeah, good. Well,
2: um, I started my career at large companies, so uh, American Girl, the doll and book and magazine company, and then um, Kraft Foods. And then I did a short, well, I mean, it was six years, so I guess not that short, but in health insurance. And so the interesting thing was that I saw kind of the front end of the food at the big food companies, and then sort of sometimes the back end, what happens um, through the health insurance company when people aren't taking good care of themselves. Um, and so all of these things, along with you know starting to have my own family and my own health, um, just really led me to think like. I really want to use these skills that I have to work with natural food companies. And I specifically like, um, smaller, more emerging natural food companies that are, I like to say, shaking up shopping carts, you know, looking to do things differently. And, um, so I left the corporate world and, um, went out on my own to be a brand strategist, independent brand strategist. And so I have a network of, you know, people such as yourselves that I collaborate with, but, um, it is, I'm a, I'm a solopreneur and I love working with smaller food brands and farms to really define their brand strategy, which I know that we will talk about a little bit more. But um, to me, it's just a lot more than selling food. You know, it's it's about the sustainability side and the health side and the small business side. So there's lots of reasons why I feel lucky to do what I do every day.
0: So, Katie, brand strategy—you're a brand strategist. That's a term that a lot of people use. We hear so much, but it's kind of not clear to a lot of people, and sometimes to us, uh, what exactly that means. So, could you explain what brand strategy is for the regular old person who's
2: never heard of it? Absolutely. And you know, I will—I'll start by saying that this is not just a food term. This really goes across all industries. So. Before I focused on food, I worked with all different kinds of businesses. And then I really said, you know what, this is where my passion is. So I'm going to focus here. So um, when we talk brand strategy, there's, there's a common confusion between brand strategy and a visual brand. So your visual brand is your logo and your fonts and your colors and things that are very, very important and when a lot of designers specifically are talking about brand strategy they're talking more about visual brand. Some designers actually do both. They do the back-end strategy work to inform the design. Some designers prefer to have you share the strategy piece and then they do the visual brand. So there's there's these two pieces to it. The visual brand is a piece of brand strategy. It's an outcome. So then you say, well, okay, so what is the bigger brand strategy is the way that I view it anyway. It's really, um, it's almost more like your business strategy. It's not necessarily all the details that go into the business strategy, but it's, it's more at that level of strategy in your business. It is the North Star that ties together everything that you do. So When you, I like to, I like to explain it um, by sort of a three-step process. So we define or refine your brand strategy, um, and that I'll share what that includes in just a second, and then align your entire team around that or all the different areas of your business, and then activate. So a lot of people like to go right to activate, but it's hard to activate if you don't have these um, strategic inputs. So some examples of those inputs are things like. Um, I like to just reference back to the three C's, so your consumers, your competitors, and your company and your competitive advantages within your company. and what what really sets you apart? So we take those pieces and we say, how are we going to position your brand to meet the needs of your consumers in a way that your competitors either can't or won't? And in doing that, you know there's a lot of work that goes into kind of doing that simple thing of positioning your brand but in doing that that sets the stage for aligning both the front and the back end of your business towards you know where you're going like i mentioned a north star that, that thing that you're working towards to continually deliver on that positioning that you've selected so i know we'll we'll break this apart a little bit throughout the conversation but at the highest level that's what it is it's the thing that unifies Everything that you do on the front and the back end of of your business, both yourself and your team, to be working towards um, owning that, that position and serving your consumers' needs.
1: Yeah, I love how you said that this is what you do before you get into action. So, just to like really define that, does that for people listening, this is what needs to happen before you? go out and market your brand or before you engage with a PR agency, or, you know, maybe if you're already doing that, it's time to, you know, step back and redefine the overall brand strategy. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of partners can
2: get this information out of you, but I kind of say, you know, why not come to the table with the basic information at least, and then the partners can ask questions and help you dig in further and refine it. But if you, and then I guess the point is let them do the work and focus their energy and the time and your budget on the things that they do best um, and come to the table with some of these foundational pieces so that then they can help bring it to life versus trying to slog through it with you, drawing it out of you when you haven't, um, you know, set aside the time to think about it prior to engaging with, you know, someone like yourselves or web designers or packaging designers or any of the partners. And I've heard multiple times people say, you know, I know I really need to work on my brand strategy as my brand grows, but I'm going to do it after my website redesign. And mm-hmm. I get it. Like <laughs> as much as I, as much as I understand my ideal world is not always <laughs> the world. Um, it really, You have to know who you're talking to and how your brand is differentiated, and the things you know the the high level messaging as well as the support points. What kind of photography are you going to be using? So again, that visual brand does play into it. But um, even things you know at the bigger picture when you're when you're developing your product formula, what are those guide rails that you're going to follow in order to um, you know from the beginning or reformulate a product recipe? So it really does guide everything. You know, whether you're doing this and wearing all the hats or you've got a cross-functional team, it it really guides everything that everyone does. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'll just say um, Katie and I had a chance to talk before this call and, you know, Karen and I being in the, the service industry, we see this all the time with clients or people in our, our course members where they outsource all these different endeavors and all these outsourced teams are a little bit confused. They have a different idea of what they need to be doing or how they need to be doing it. And it's really you, the the brand owner, that has to have that solidified and unify all your teams. Otherwise, you're not gonna get what you want and you might end up wasting time or spending money, <laughs> you know, things like that. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like to think of it as a hub and a spoke. So Typically
2: with the size brands that I work with, they don't have a specific brand manager sometimes, but not not always. So often then the owner of the business is still serving as that central point that is working with all the different team members. And so it is the it's one of the one of the hats that they need to wear is that brand manager hat thinking about everything working together and the filter of, you know, when you have a documented brand strategy that everyone is briefed on and then working against, and then you can put the, you know, that use that filter when you're reviewing creative or recipes or, you know, partners or anything, it just really helps everyone go or, you know, get on the same page. And there's obviously a lot of emotion when you're reviewing, you know, let's say marketing um, execution, but this helps keep people in their logical brain as well. So, or at least have the conversation, you know, I, I hear you on this Also, this is where we said we wanted to take it. So this is why we went this route. And, you know, at least it it helps you tee up the conversation if somebody's kind of taking a different route than everyone had agreed on.
0: Yeah, so you just mentioned that, if you don't have, if you don't have a brand manager on your staff, you kind of have to be that brand manager as the, as the owner of your business. So what are some personality traits? What are some traits that make a really, really good brand manager so that our founders
2: can listen and be like, okay, I don't have any of those. I might need to outsource this. That's a really, really good uh, question. So Brand managers really, they are the the jack or jill of all trades, where you know, in, in larger companies, you are the often own the PL and you're you're working with financial folks, you're working with the packaging designers, you're working with the operations team, um, literally all the areas of the business, it the buck stops with you. So um, so being able to multitask, <laughs> being able to Uh, rely on experts other people who are are giving you information and you need to be able to process that and ask good questions even though you know that you are not the expert in all those areas Uh, so I guess selecting people and then trusting them to be your guides that that's um, a piece Um, there is that that art of mix or the the mix of art and science uh, where there's like the quantitative side, so you have to be really great with the numbers, but then you also have to be um, able to think about the market research results and how that would, you know, for example, play into um, creative design and marketing plans and things like that. So it really takes a lot of different sides of your brain, and when you know, at larger companies, that's often how it works, you know, ownership of the PL and and running cross-functional teams. For smaller companies, sometimes the brand manager is more the one that is specifically keeping all of the marketing pieces on track to be cohesive and consistent. So I've seen it both ways. Um, so in that case, it's more of someone who is a good project manager, somebody who has big picture thinking, um, but can also really get into the details and, you know, proofread copy and make sure that it's, it's, you know, you're using this word over here and you, you want to use it consistently. And are you using it consistently throughout everything you do? So somebody who can bridge that big picture and really detail level thinking. Does that help?
0: Yeah, that's super helpful. Cause I, I always think like when one of our brands is hiring a brand manager in past lives with other companies, I'm
2: like, what all is that person doing? So that really is very helpful. Good. It's I. I loved that role um, because you kind of have your hands in a lot of stuff. So I, I would say curiosity too, like always wanting to learn and be interested in in what's going on, um, is a is a good trait too. Because there's always you guys know there's always a lot going on in <laughs> in businesses. Yeah, for sure. Um, sounds like a fun job. Sounds yeah. like some right. some really exciting, never never
0: boring. So you That's do good. talk about. So you have your define. Um, you, a lot or define and refine, align and activate that's your three pronged strategy, right? Yeah. So, um, what are some of the benefits of that define and refine of really
2: documenting that brand strategy? Yeah. Okay, good. So, you know, I mentioned the, some of the inputs that we look at consumers and competitors and your own company's advantages, um, there's a little bit more that goes into it obviously, but the um, those are what I see as the inputs and then the outputs of that process are things like your brand pillars. I'll, I'll come back to each of these but brand pillars and personality and positioning and your brand essence. So you know by pillars, what I mean is that as you're going through all of this, one of the first things that we're doing, so most of this is internal strategy at this point. Sometimes it will spark ideas that you know teams will take and, and run with, but we're really, I like to say, write first for internal because if you're writing right away for external, the pressure is just so high to try to wordsmith. So right now we're just trying to get all the ideas down. So we've got our inputs, consumer, competitor, and company. Then we look at the pillars. So we say, okay, what are the three main legs that this brand stands on. So if I just had, you know, a couple minutes to tell you about a brand, what would I say are the three most important things? Part of the brand strategy process is a benefit ladder where we tease apart the most functional attributes of a brand and ladder that up to the more emotional benefits. And so often that is one of the key pieces that feeds into the pillars. The pillars often have something something about the product attributes that's really core to the brand, but then we don't want to just stop at product attributes. We want to make sure that we're also having something be central to the brand that is a more emotional connection with people. So, um, so the brand pillars are really something that's sort of an internal guide, but it also then, once you say, okay, these are the three things that my brand is all about, then it helps you with messaging um, to say, okay, and here's the 20 other things that I would say about each of those. And it sparks ideas for you know people like yourselves, where you then know how to create strategies around bringing that to life, but the brand can bring to the table. I know myself and I, or I know my brand and here's the things that we stand for. So that's the Pillars. Then there's the uh, personality. So I like to say, if your brand was a person at a cocktail party, how would you introduce them? And so we use characteristics that can help, again, creative teams, especially um, bring that brand to life visually and in copywriting. And then the positioning is a statement that. You get really succinct. So I like to think of this as kind of a funnel. You've got all your inputs at the top, and then we we whittle down and we really are wordsmithing until we can be really concise in terms of that positioning statement that puts into words that idea that I was saying of how are you going to meet your consumers' needs in a way that your consumer uh, in the way that your competitors can't or won't. Um, and then the one of the last things is last two things is the essence. So if you just had a word or maybe two. Um, to boil everything down to that was the core of your brand that you wanted to permeate throughout everything that you do, what would that be? And that really helps people, you know, we put this all on a one pager and they keep it on their desk. And sometimes they refer to the whole, you know, 30 plus pages if they want the more detail, but this one pager um, really helps people have a reference point to go back to but that essence is something that really sticks with them, that they can, you know, it like elicits a feeling as you think about that word. And that's what you want to make sure is that thread that runs throughout everything that you do. Then the last piece is the brand story of the definition phase. So um, I'm not a copywriter, but in, as part of my process, um, whether it's the online program or working one-on-one, we do have a story statement. So that is the kind of thing where it's a paragraph. It's, high level, um, but it gives a partner that's going to work on the activation a sense of here's where we're going with the story um, of the brand. So uh, just one more quick thing there. I like to say that the brand story is there's a difference between history and a brand story. A brand history is a good place to start, but it's the past. And a brand story is where you're going and inviting people into. So that's, that's sort of that jumping off point where I end the formal define refine phase of the work. And then we start to say, okay, well now how can we, how can we make this um, show up in everything that you do within the business and across all of the different um,
1: players? I really love, um, I think it was a part of the pillars uh, where you move from functional to emotional. Is that right? Yeah. It was um,
2: as a lead to the pillars is the benefit ladder. The benefit ladder. So yeah.
1: love the benefit ladder moving from functional to emotional. I feel like that's a step that a lot of um, brands, you know, may miss and um, just t- talk about, you know, the functional aspects of their business, but to really attract um, and create a community and followers and people who love your brand, there has to be an emotional reason for them to want to purchase from you. I mean, to put it quite plainly. So I, I just think that's such an important step that, um, you know, if you haven't thought of that as a business owner, um, or a brand marketer, then, then absolutely get to get to writing on paper, wherever you take your notes and and start thinking in that way. Um, so you just mentioned, all the work that needs to be done before the action. So, how how tell us more about how food business owners use all of this strategy on an ongoing basis to continue to to build their brands. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I mentioned that um, once you have this documented, the the benefit is that it takes a lot of things that are in your head or like, um, Karen. I think it was even mentioned that you know different team members may be thinking different things. Or, um, but you, it, it puts it in a documented place where everyone can reference it. So, as I mentioned, um, a lot of people will put up this one pager in their, you know, in a desk or like in a little plastic sleeve or somewhere where it's really readily available so that literally, as you're making any decisions throughout the day, at some point it becomes secondhand, but, you know, they reference it to say, okay, how did we say that? Or how did we want to say this? Or. What was that? You know, does this new opportunity align with what we said was our main focus? So they use this as sort of a litmus test, Um, and that's it. I'll, I'll get a little bit more specific, but that's like at a really high level. It's just it serves as this foundation of something that helps make decisions. Because, as you guys know, there's there's no end of opportunities when you're thinking about marketing plans or partners or you know, there's so many ways that brands could go. But this helps you make sure that you're talking to the right people at the right time and partnering with the right you know whether it's brands or vendors or uh, they can help you get there. And so that's one of that's one of the biggest ways that people use this like you know literally every day as a as a decision making tool and, and kind of test to bump things up against. The other piece though is at a more specific level, um, thinking about making sure that the creative you know just as one example is consistent and cohesive and all telling the same story and and moving people through the purchase process. So that's where, you know, your expertise comes in as well to make sure that that's happening. And once you know the brand strategy to help your partners deliver on it, but without having a partner like you necessarily, you know, people are sort of left to their own devices sometimes or having multiple team members working on it. And so this allows people to make sure that they have consistency and, I know that sometimes people say consistent is boring, but consistent does not have to be boring. It's just making sure that um, you you can switch it up and surprise and delight people. It's making sure though that you are on strategy and on message. And and it looks looks and feels and sounds like the same brand every time so that you become recognizable and give people the words to be able to tell their friends and get excited about it. So you're actually doing people a disservice when you're trying to change things up too much. And so this serves as sort of the guardrails uh, to be able to do that. That's
0: so important. I mean, (laughs) we can think of so many brands that we have worked with where it's just like, we're doing that here and this there. And how does that match this? (laughs) It's, it's, it's pretty wild how that can happen so quickly too, because it's like a on and off switch. It's just like, Mm -hmm. you think that everything's going one way and it turns out that like, All these things looked really jumbled and just pieced together and they don't really fit in this perfect puzzle anymore.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I like to say that one plus one equals three. So when people are, you know, allowing you to do your thing and have it be cohesive and all work together, it's gonna be so much stronger than trying to just piece it together. Now I know that sometimes things change over time and you know you make a but you make a decision and say, okay, we're gonna change something. And sometimes it takes a little while to roll things out, but that's different. That's That's intentional. (laughs) What we're talking, you know, what you're talking about is it's not that someone's not a smart person. It's just that sometimes with brands, people get an idea or someone else on the team gets an idea. And unless you've got this, this processor, or again, you know, kind of test to bump it up against, um, you're right. It happens quickly. People, people make decisions and then just to get it out the door. Uh, and then it's not all working together as, as well as it could be, uh, for the brand.
0: Yeah, totally. And on the on the note of happening quickly, growth happens quickly sometimes. And so when you start hiring people, and you start hiring agencies to help or internal employees to help, if it's not aligned, then you're just you, you'll be moving backwards. So um, love sure. that. Okay, so we talked about define and refine, and now we've talked to, we've talked a little bit about the align, um, yeah. but. How does that the second stage of aligning um, using your north star that you mentioned? How does this impact the business externally?
1: Yes.
2: Okay. So that's that's a really good point. So there's the internal impact of the team being aligned, but then the external impact is is sort of like we were mentioning that the consumer is seeing a consistent brand. They know what to expect. You can still surprise and delight them with fun, creative or fun, new flavors, or you know, showing up in places, distribution channels that they wouldn't expect, but but it's still always strategic and on brand. So the consumer starts to really get to know what to expect from you and what to trust Um, you know, that your products and your brand delivers. So that is one of the biggest things is that internally you're aligned, but then externally people know um, how to, what to expect and how to talk about the brand. So I was mentioning word of mouth. If we are consistent and people know how to talk about the brand and what those highlights are, you know, you get sick of talking about the same things over and over as a brand leader, but people need to hear it so many times because We all get hit with so many messages in a day. So when you're consistent, then people start playing those messages back to you maybe in comments, uh, but then you know that, okay, this is good. They're, they're, They're using my words and then they know how to go describe it to somebody else as well. So we're listening to use their words because we want to talk in their language, but then it's really cool also when we hear them playing back what we're trying to Get across too of what the benefits of the brand are because it it feels like they're really starting to get it and excited to share with other people then.
1: I love that you hit on that again because that really resonated with me when you said you're giving people the words to talk about your brand. That is so cool and such a goal, you know, of any brand to to have that word-of-mouth marketing and to hit it really hard that people know exactly how to talk and share your brand um in a delightful way and the way you want mm-hmm. them to share it so um that's that's really powerful so yeah, we we good. talked define refine we talked align we talked a little about a bit about activate so using um all the work you've done on a daily basis until it's ingrained in your head um and also sharing with you know any of your your marketing partners during yes. that onboarding process and making sure that they know that they need to follow these, um, guidelines. So anything else with, um, activate, um, in terms of using all this work that you've, you've just done. Yes. I'm glad you asked. There is one thing I want to mention is that it is
2: a little daunting sometimes to, to do this work, whether you're just starting up and setting a strong foundation or you're looking to scale and realizing that you need, a little refinement before you can really take off. And so once you get through the defining or refining, that seems like the hard part. And it is a lot of work, but it's, you know, as you can see, the efficiency and cohesiveness, there's, you know, it really pays out. But the thing that can feel overwhelming then is that where do you start? You know, you've got everything then that you want to um, go and change. And we know that it's impossible to change everything all at once. So what I like to suggest is, um, to list out all the different areas of your business that this would impact. So this starts to happen in the align phase where you, you list it out at like a 10,000 level of all the people who need to be educated or share, you know, have this shared with them. So you're not starting totally from scratch, but you look at that list and then you kind of break it down further and say, okay, website, social media posts, um, emails, you know, a lot of the things that you work on, but also then thinking about ingredient labels or packaging design or, you start to really think about all the different tactical things in the business and say, I like to have a chart um, just because I I love frameworks. I think it helps um, streamline complex topics. And so if you um, label the chart high impact and low impact and then high effort and low effort, and you plot out these tactical things, um, you can see which ones are high impact, High effort and which ones are high impact, low effort. So, starting with the high impact, low effort are the things that you know are usually the best place to start. So maybe it's a website where you can't, you know, it's a lot of effort to redo the entire website, but maybe you can start to sprinkle in um, photos and copy that support the new brand. Or maybe it's even just changing a couple of headlines or um, the about us page. Or you know, there's some there's some things that you can do that are sort of Quick and easy that can help align faster, or maybe you can start to influence the social media posts or emails. So all the things that you all are working on, and just thinking about how can we do those first. Now maybe a whole new website redesign or a complete um, product reformulation or a new product that you want to launch. Those kind of things might be further down the road, so you plot those um, in a different box. But we really want to focus on those low, low effort, high impact. Um, opportunities. But then it's nice because you've got them all listed out. You can kind of let go of the ones that you see are high impact and low effort because you're like, you know what? I may get to that. I may not, but it's, it's a lot of effort and it's not going to be a really big impact on my brand. So I have other places to focus and it's really nice because it kind of releases the pressure of having to do everything. Um, Cause at least you've got it captured there and you can work your way around the box. So hopefully that's helpful in case anyone starts
1: to feel overwhelmed once they do their brand strategy work. That is in- incredibly helpful.
2: Um,
1: I mean, I, we are big on seeing on, on really trying to defeat overwhelm, just like you said, because this food and beverage business is it's so, oh you know, there's so many elements to it. It's so easy to get overwhelmed Um, you know, thinking about your brand strategy, especially if you've been around for a bit and you haven't done this work yet, I can see how that can be extremely overwhelming. So I really like how you laid that out and just, you know, work smarter, you know, instead of just trying to overall overhaul everything. Totally. Well, a lot of times I think founders and It's, it's, well, what I was going to say
2: is I think sometimes they just kind of think that the team has the same vision in their head and it's, it's not intentional, you know, they're brilliant, but not everyone can just know the things, you know, all those brilliant thoughts. So that's one reason why documenting and getting it out and, um, yeah, having everyone on the same page, it can be such a relief for both the founder who's taking those thoughts out of their head and synthesizing them, but then also the team who doesn't have to guess and try to draw it out.
0: So one, one last question for me. Um, And this comes from us always using other brands as inspiration. We love looking at brands that are doing it right to kind of help us give us ideas and help us navigate some things. And something that you said earlier really resonated where you said you want to give, and we've said it many times after, we want to give the brand, uh, we want to give our audience words to describe our brand. And so the mm. first brand that comes to my mind is Omsom. They say the same words over they are a proud and loud Asian uh, ingredient. product that wants to have bold flavors. Like I'm literally saying the words that they say all of the time. So what are other brands that you see that just like kill their brand positioning?
2: Yeah. You know, one that comes to mind and I don't work with them, but I just have loved it is recess, the drink recess. Because I can rattle off several things. There's the, the positioning is so clear in terms of, you know, kind of taking a break or having a recess. Um, in the, I think it's um, an antidote to modern times is one of the things that they say on the website and on the can. And then, um, the other one, oh, I think on the website, it's like that we all have too many tabs open in our brain. So they, they set up so perfectly um, the idea that like, we are busy and we need to just, it's not that we like necessarily deserve it or should do it. It's like, we, we, we need this, like you need to take a step back and just let yourself breathe and like re reconnect, reboot, maybe they should say <laughs> if they're talking about the technology stuff. So um, their visual brand also is very different. Like it's when you see the website, it is um, like, it's it's not a traditional look. And at first I wasn't sure what to think, but then I was like, you know what, they own it and they're consistent across everything that they do. And so I think that's one where the product and the packaging and the website and the social, like to me, everything really aligns very well. Amsam is a great example too, though.
0: Yeah. Love that. Recess is fun. And I love, I mean, you can get exciting with all the technology. Like have you tried unplugging and plugging yourself back in? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just so many things they, you can do with that, which is really fun. They need you. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You can, you can hire us recess. Don't yeah.
2: worry. <laughs> awesome. Katie. Yeah. This has been fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, We just want to sum it up with, um, we've kind of talked about, you know, the benefits of, of getting your brand strategy down pat. Can you just tell us, everyone probably wants to know in just a concise way, what actually does a, a well thought out brand strategy do to the bottom line? How does it increase your overall ROI. Why is it so important? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the easiest way to
2: say it is that there are no guarantees. (laughs) We're always testing and learning and optimizing. But if you have an hour to spend or a dollar to spend and you know who you're going to talk to and what messages resonate with them because you've tested and learned over time and, um, you know, how to engage with them and what messages to tell them. So basically you've, you've worked your way into knowing, um, what works. And so you might not have known the day one, but you went in with an assumption versus just, you know, a guess and shooting things, you know, throwing things at the wall. You went in with a hypothesis and it's testing and learning. And so it makes that dollar and that hour so much more efficient because you are focused and, um, you can optimize from there. So, you know, there's not a specific salary amount or percentage or something that I can give, but it is all about focus and consistency and um, having everyone on the same page. So just quickly, I guess the the one other thing that's hard to quantify is the the team morale. you know having people know what they're railing behind and getting really excited about being a part of something. Um, that's really hard to quantify too, but the productivity and um, sort of advocacy that they'll provide for the brand too because they know where they're going and what role they play. That is um, something that is, uh, you know. I I think it does in impact the bottom line, but it's really hard to say exactly how. Oh
0: man, that's such a good one. That like I I that's the last thing I thought you were gonna say, but right when you said it, it was just like, oh my gosh, that's so unbelievably
2: true. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I mean, I can I can remember past lives, like a company that did that. And we knew what the mission was and we knew what we were doing there. And the passion that you had for it was so palpable and the exact yeah. opposite with a different brand that was kind of just like a little lackluster. I'm like, what, what are we doing here? So team rally yeah. that's a, That's a good note. Well, Katie, that's thank good. you so much for joining us. You have dropped a million nuggets of wisdom. If somebody wants to st- keep learning from you or get in contact with you, um, how can they reach you?
2: Yeah. Well, I I think you mentioned linking to my website. So realfoodbrands.com is the place where you can connect to me through social media, get podcast episodes, and I'll just call it that you can get a free brand checkup scorecard there. So there's 25 questions where people can give themselves an honest assessment of one, two, or three, and nobody needs to see it. You can share it with me if you want to. Um, but it's really just a way to help you go through some of these you know, some of the subsections of the things we've talked about today to say, how am I doing? And where am I doing great? And where can I improve?
0: Thanks. And we will link to all of your social, your email, your website. Um, And uh, Katie also has a podcast and we can link to that as well. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Good. Thank you. Umay Social Circle is a CPG agency-driven podcast based out of Austin, Texas. We're excited to share more behind-the-scenes insights, chats with industry leaders, and whatever else we learn along the way. Follow us on Instagram at umaymarketing or check out our website UmyMarketing.com. Catch you back here soon.